Do you want to win back 13 to 37 hours of your week every single week? If you do, uh, please join us. We are going to be teaching the foolproof method to identifying the bottleneck in your business and teaching you how to resolve it. We're going to teach you all about our three epiphanies around systems. Mike, where can people learn more and tell them about the, the program? Well, you're going to want to go to AutomateDelegateSystemize.com and you will learn our three epiphanies, which is automation sequencing, how to delegate and use a virtual assistant, and how to step back as a CEO using strategic retreat. So again, go to AutomateDelegateSystemize.com. That's AutomateDelegateSystemize.com and get more information now. I think that disconnect between the story is, in my mind, it's like an orphaned planet. It's like Western society is so disconnected from our God, our creator. I'm not super religious. I'm fairly spiritual and I'm on my own journey. I just believe that as a society, we've lost our ability to kind of explain. My parents had no way of explaining to me what life is. Why are we here? What is this all about? What's the journey of the human? And really, it's the journey of the soul if you get deep enough. And I think we don't have enough ways for children to understand that. All right, Better Than Rich Show listeners, today's guest is Mr. Mike McCarthy. He is the founder of GoBundance and an author and a speaker and somebody who you are going to really enjoy. He really loves to focus on sharing wisdom that helps entrepreneurial families kind of increase collaboration and connection and create these values and goals and just bring people together. We asked some really good questions and he gave some amazing answers on how to actually build a family legacy. And he really specifies that's not just money, right? And in fact, it's mostly not money. It's mostly about the family lore, the family values, what it means to be a Biggs or an Abramowitz or a McCarthy or whatever your last name is. And he really gives a playbook for how to do so. He talks about his book. He talks about abundance. He's the founder of GoBundance, obviously. So he's somebody who's really big into that world and the incredible journey of that community. So you're in for a treat. I think you're going to love it. So without any further ado, the show with Mr. Mike McCarthy. Welcome to the Better Than Rich show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. Welcome back to the Better Than Rich show. I'm Mike Abramowitz. I'm here with Andrew Biggs and another special guest, but this one we've been waiting for quite some time. Welcome to the show, Mike McCarthy. Hey. Glad to be here. Well, Mike, you, you, I've been following your work for, I don't know, the better part of a decade, at least at this point. I've had so many friends, and as they call themselves, GoBros, part of GoBundance, and they've been just ranting and raving of their experience in GoBundance, about you, about your team, about their experience. And then I got a chance to hear you speak on, maybe it was a summit with Front Row Dads, and then I got a chance to meet you in Austin at the Front Row Dad Live, and I was like, Gosh, man, this guy is super impressive as a human, as a father, as a husband, as a man, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader. I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you and having you on the show. 
And if you guys haven't heard of Mike McCarthy and you're watching on YouTube, him and his wife did an awesome job with Companion Guide, partnering with Hal Elrod in the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families Playbook. I'd love to dig in just because it's been top of mind for me for so long. I've heard about GoBundance. I haven't been a GoBro yet, but it's something that is so fascinating to hear from these men that most of the men and then hearing Kathy Kristen, who was on the show, who has done so much work with the the women's GoBundance. How did it, can you just walk us through? I would love to just have you riff on where this started. How did the inspiration happen? Just give us a little bit of that rundown, a little bit of the coloring of what were the infancy stages of GoBundance and where is it now? And like some of the things that you just, I'd love to peel back a little bit there if we could start there. And then I can't wait to talk about the companion guide and what you're doing with the family and how you're helping these business owners. And obviously we got to talk about Lindsay and her play in that, some of that stuff too. So talk, walk us through GoBundance, please. Yeah, of course. Thank you. You said a lot of very kind things about me and about being a witness to my journey. And I just, I appreciate you for seeing me. And I love the opportunity to share and bring a message or just a tidbit of information that could help anybody at any time. I think that at the end of the day, that's really what abundance is all about it's an opportunity for men to come together originally it was all it was men because we were just four or five friends that were hanging out all business owners mainly in the real estate space and uh, one of the guys david osborne was a mentor of mine i was fortunate enough to have my father introduce me to david when i was just a young budding entrepreneur i didn't know my head from my tale, as they say. And I was able to follow not only my father's footsteps in business, but also David's because David had blazed the same exact trail that I was on. And being a mentee of David's and then a friend and an eventual business partner in GoBundance, what he led me to was a peer group that he had started with a couple of his buddies, Pat Hyben and Tim Rode. And the three of them had been traveling and doing some unique things just as a group of three. Then we became a group of four. And what we were doing was adventurous things where we would bring our goals and we would share deep challenges and we would share our religious views, our political views, what our finances were like, all the conversations that should be off limits. You're not supposed to talk about religion and politics and finances, right? That's the era of our parents or their generation. And the thing about that is the things that you don't talk about and you hide away. My friend Preston Smiles said at the Front Row Dad's Retreat, you're only as sick as your secrets. So, you know, the things you don't talk about or you don't bring to the forefront of a conversation, they never change. They certainly don't get better. If anything, they deteriorate over time if you don't talk about them and don't bring them to light. But how does an organization like GoBundance get started? It's crazy because we didn't set out to do anything. We set out to just be a group of guys that supported one another and were so authentic with each other and so real with each other that We would tell each other the things that needed to be said, not what people wanted to hear. There's a difference between the friend that tells you what you want to hear and the friend that tells you what you need to hear. And I think we all need the friend that tells us what we need to hear so much more than the ones that just tell us what we want to hear. And the higher you climb in the ladder of success, then the more likely you are to be surrounded by people that tell you the things that 
that you want to hear, the accolades, and you don't, you end up with people that don't challenge you on your bullshit, basically. So we created a space for that, but it's not a, despite us having some financial qualifications to get into the group, not because we think that's the scoreboard to keep track of, but, but we believe there's a certain amount of freedom, a certain amount of likeness and problems you face when you've reached a certain level of success. And it's true that it's lonely at the top unless you decide to be a lone wolf that joins a pack. And that's what GoBundance is. It's a place for lone wolves to finally find their pack. And if you really want to go deep on it, there's the book we wrote, The Tribe of Millionaires. It's a parable. It's a great story. There's some truth to to the story, but it's by no means like a true story. But there's parts of truth to all the stories that Ethan, the character, experiences, including he was estranged from his father, who was a founder of GoBundance, and then meets the founders of GoBundance as pallbearers at his father's funeral, and then they take him under his wing. And it's a beautiful story of probably a deeper symptom that we have in humanity, which is that we're fatherless, if that makes sense. And GoBundance is a place where we get to be that father figure for each other through holding a collect values around what does it mean to be a healthy, masculine man who still has an open heart, who cares about their community, who still goes on adventures and yeah, kicks ass in business but also invest wisely so they're not beholden to working forever. So there's a lot of these elements that I'm saying, and health is a big part of it as well, and family. So these are the pillars of GoBundance that we're built of. And I think it's it's that space we go where we get that, that confidence, that belief that we need. Maybe we don't have it for ourselves if others are able to see that. So it's not just about calling out stuff but calling up the qualities that we see, calling up and out the qualities that we see in each other. And so it's a beautiful place. And now there's 900 members. We have a junior division called Ascend. We've got a women's division that is actually woman-owned and led that we worked very hard to make sure we offered what we were doing for men to also offer that for women because the whole story about it's lonely at the top, that, that can be even more lonely for women because it's different for them. And that's what we hear them say. That's not me making up a story of what I think it is. That's the purpose of what we created. But it's an amazing journey to start with a handful of people and then end up with an organization with now close to a thousand members across all membership tiers. And to know that they're all people that want to make a difference, that are authentic, that strive to be their best. We run adventure trips throughout the whole year, retreats anywhere from 250 people to 12 people. So there's intimate and small and there's big and robust, but we always have adventure. We like to do shoulder to shoulder adventure because we think for guys especially and for anyone in general honestly like if you can do something experiential together which is shoulder to shoulder then you can go deeper when you're then face to face eye to eye and so we like to do those experiences during the day and then at night we hold our conferences where we get together and we mastermind until 9 10 11 at night So they're long days and we're hard chargers and we cram a lot in, but we get a lot out of it. And the best thing is being able to go to an event where there's a hundred guys. I haven't met 80% of them yet. 
what we've created has changed their lives. There's something so humbling about that journey and about watching that. And it's because of this last thing that I'll say, because I know this has been a bit long-winded, I apologize, but it's a big question. We're not a guru tribe. We're not, there isn't one person that is got all the answers that has to be at the event that you're hoping is there that you're going to get to see. If there was, it might be David. He might be our celebrity of the bunch, but he's not the guru and he stands behind the leaders of the company and behind the members, not in front of them. We all do. And we're member led so that we have a tribal council that's 16 members and we go to them and make decisions. They're members, they're paying members of the group and they're also leaders. And we listen to what the members want and we go deliver and we're just not, we're not personality based, we're tribal and community. And there's a collective energy that we're based on instead of an individual energy. Thanks for taking us on that journey. Yeah, it's it's an incredible ride that it started with just a handful of friends. Now it's supposed to a thousand people who come together and are kind of surrounding on this common purpose, this common theme, this desire to make a difference, this desire to be healthy, but also make an impact, also experience financial success. I know you're big on legacy. I want to touch on that at some point. One of the things that stood out with what you were sharing, though, was fatherlessness. And I would love to hear you speak to that a little bit more. I know on a personal note that you recently actually just lost your father. I hope you're doing okay. Feel free to to share about that and maybe even share about your father's impact on your life. But yeah, when you say we're fatherless as a culture, that struck me as something novel that I don't hear too much. I would love to hear you maybe speak to that a little bit more. Yeah. And it's in part, I'm aware of this, my own projection, having just lost my own father, but What I realized in this was this common bond that I felt with others who had also lost their fathers. There's a certain club you get to join that you never wanted to be a part of. And it cements for me so much of the work that I do around legacy and it's deep. And when I think about legacy, I think about the world my children are growing up in and I think about the world that my parents grew up in. And I realize that as a culture, we're so disconnected from our creator and from what it means to be a human being and the purpose of life and why we're here, because we've taken the story and turned it into religion and then religion into bureaucracy and then bureaucracy into control and fear and taking us further and further from the story of what it means to be here. And I think that disconnect between the story is, in my mind, it's like an orphaned planet. It's like Western society is so disconnected from our God, our creator. I'm not super religious. I'm fairly spiritual and I'm on my own journey. I just believe that as a society, we've lost our ability to kind of explain. My parents had no way of explaining to me what life is. Why are we here? What is this all about? What's the journey of the human? And really, it's the journey of the soul if you get deep enough. And I think we don't have enough ways to for children to understand that. I mean, there is religion in their Sunday school, and there's good to be taken from that. But I don't know that they're as connected to the story because so much has changed in how we live and who we are. So that's where that comes from. And it makes me realize that my number one goal in life is being a father. My second most important role is being a 
a husband, you could argue maybe that's even more important. But being a great son is important too. That's what I realized in the, the final eight months of my father's life as he battled pancreatic cancer was not did, only did he show me how to live, which I resisted a lot and was challenging as a teenager. And, you know, we butted heads a lot, but he also paved a way for me in life and business that I'm so grateful for. And also the way he showed up to his death was truly inspiring with grit and grace. And he even still had humor at the end. He could hardly talk. He was making jokes about, I just bought an expensive car for my wife for her birthday. And I said, man, yeah, it was pricey. And he was like, don't worry. I hear you're going to come into some money soon. And that was his like just final bit of humor. But it's all wrapped in legacy. And that's why we wrote the book that we wrote. Obviously, it's about bringing leadership into the home. It's about the Miracle Morning because Miracle Morning is the best example of personal leadership. And I'm a big believer you've got to lead yourself first and then you are in the right once you lead yourself to lead your family and have a family. And once you can do that, you can go out and lead in the world. And a lot of people have no leadership skills in their house. They're totally lost and confused. And then they're trying to go out and lead in the world. And I think there's a, a bit of an imposter syndrome there that we all feel actually. And so that's the purpose of, the, of writing that book is I think we have to focus on families and healing families. I think part of that is is part of that story of readopting as a society, taking care of our children differently. That's why I believe we're fatherless as a society. I think we're all without our father in some way. We either lost our father because they've passed on. We had a shitty father. We had no father. Or maybe we have a father and we don't have that deep connection or relationship even with them. And I think it all stems from this same common challenge that we have of sort of being disconnected from the ancient intelligence and understanding that even I think original humans probably were more tuned into than we are living in this technology age, which is beautiful. I love technology, but we have to find a balance between it all. There's so many directions I want to go right now, Mike, and... I'm trying to choose carefully, but my direction that I can't, it's like pulling me to ask is number one is how do you define father? Like you said, that's like maybe number one, maybe husband could be argued, but like, how do you define it? So if we know as a society that we're fatherless, or if that's what's defined, like how do we define a father would be my mm. first curiosity. And my second curiosity is a lot of the uh, conversations around a father is typically like the man or a guy or a boy becoming that father. So therefore, how do you include women into that understanding as well, where it's, are they fatherless too? That's why I'm curious on defining father. And then also, is this only a man's journey or how do we bring a woman into that journey as well? Yeah. Some of my closest friends who I mentioned, who I resonate so deeply with right now, who have lost their fathers are also women. So there is this element of, yeah, just like any man, there's there's fathers that have passed away. There's absent fathers. There's fathers that are 
not good fathers for whatever reasons. I don't want to judge, but I'm sure they're, you know. Because there's like a dad, there's a guy who has a kid and there's a guy who has a kid that makes him a dad, that makes him a father technically. So therefore, okay, women are out, they're father. But this definition of father as a society, as a culture, as this like, this purpose, this direction, I love the question of like, how do you explain Mm -hmm. life and the journey of the soul towards direction of father just maybe if there's not a definition, it's okay. I'm just like, curious. no, I think for that, for me, that's just creator. And to me, that's actually not just of masculine energy. So I think there's a little bit of vocabulary that it's good to clarify. So I appreciate that. I have a belief like in creator being both made of masculine and feminine energy, a very clear balance of that. So when I say we're disconnected from our father, it's actually from creator, which really to me is not, is gender neutral, if you will. So almost like mother Um, nature and father creator, mother Mother sky, if you want to go to like ancient native beliefs. So Pachamama, like I've climbed Machu Picchu on the Inca trail. They actually just closed it. But Pachamama is the figure there that I would say we're disconnected from. So it's really that we're disconnected from nature, from earth, from really our deeper inner selves and mother and father both. And I think that it all just comes down to not having, I think, good story to tell about what is it, what does a family do? What are the traditions of a healthy family? What stories does that family tell or questions do they ask that reveal the purpose of life or how one might go about discovering the purpose of their life and then leading to fulfillment. I think so much we think fulfillment is like getting the new thing or material item in Western society. And like, really, it's like an internal, deeper connection to your family, to your creator, to nature, to earth. Mm. And I think that's where that comes from. And I think men and women both experience that same To me, I feel it in my body as like a sadness for society and even a sadness for what my parents had to go through, thinking of how confusing would it be for the technologies that were emerging for them as they were growing up. And for us now, it's like AI and augmented reality and who knows what is robots and who knows what's coming. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And I know that you're big on family legacy and actually really defining a lot of these things. I'd love to hear getting into almost like your playbook for defining the family values, the family, the way we operate, the governance structures and these sorts of things. And then just kind of like really building this legacy, of course, not just a financial legacy, but a legacy that's can't be defined, that can't be captured, the gestalt of the family. I'm curious, how do you go about doing that? Because if anyone's listening right now, most most people don't do what you're about to walk us through, right? And we just do what we learned from our parents, which is basically show up, go to work, try to provide, right? Usually at least they can put food on the table and make ends meet, try to have a little bit of fun, maybe go on a couple of vacations here and there. But there's no really big or overarching story or narrative to the family, right? It's just mostly then what ends up happening, in my opinion, is you end up picking up things from the culture almost by osmosis. And the next thing you know, 
You're basically a materialist who's just chasing after money or trying to keep up with the Joneses and you don't even know why. And so that's been my experience. I'm curious, how does one fight that, especially when we don't have a model necessarily like maybe you did? I'm curious what thoughts are there. I think we have to, number one, we have to start with some practical type thinking around, okay, here's the deal. If you're going to leave a legacy, it's not going to really be about the tangible things that you leave behind because the material items, the wealth, the money, businesses, cars, coins, collections, all these treasures that could be left really pale in comparison to what really matters is the intangible assets, which are somebody's character traits, their values, their work ethic, their vision for their life, their level of being able to experience joy or having emotional intelligence, like things, financial literacy. There's all these things that aren't taught in our schools. So where are they taught? If you're very lucky and maybe you go to an act academy or somewhere that's entrepreneurial and you get a taste of that and there's apprenticeships and things like that, or you, could, you would think maybe you go to business school, you'd learn a lot of that. You might learn some financial acronym, but you're not going to learn emotional intelligence. You're not going to learn goal setting. You're going to learn budgeting and accounting. That's all different things, right? In my mind, what we fail to do is and this is in a book I'll recommend later on. I think we fail to give kids the flint and the kindling and the understanding of how you make a fire is hard work. You've got to really work at it if you're going to make a fire from scratch, right? And I think what a lot of parents do is they just give kids the fire. And what happens when you don't know how to, you don't respect the power of fire and you're given this to wield, what's going to happen? you're probably going to get burned or you might set something else on fire. So destruction of self or others or other property is what really happens. And this, there's a lot of metaphors to this, but it's like it rings so true. It's almost like, wow, this is the reality of what happens in some of the wealthiest families in history that you study. Some have done an amazing job of this, like the Rockefellers, and some have done an absolutely awful job of this, like the Vanderbilts, who at one point were one of the wealthiest families in the world. And now you look and there's not a single heir to that wealth that has any substantial amount of money remaining. And they re-inherited lots of money, like lots and lots of money. And what did they do is they gave it all away. That could be admirable, but... You look at the impact of what the Rockefellers were able to give and still build their wealth along the way. And then it's what's smarter? Is it to give it all away or to treat it in a way that's respectful by growing it and then still giving lots of it away? And I just think that what we have to do is teach these values. So how do we do it in our family or how would you do it in your family? Obviously, we outline this in the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families playbook. It's a companion to that book. It outlines seven exercises to do at home. One of the exercises is building your family values. And one of the mistakes most people make when they select their values or they select as a company their values or a team's values is they just say, what words sound like us and make us excited and are inspirational to us? And so their values become aspirational. They're not really rooted in who they truly are or show up as. And so aspirational values are great unless you just keep living the differently than those values all the time, then all it is is a collection of words that sit in a drawer at, or maybe hang at, on a wall at best, but never get followed. 
So the key is to study the story of your family. One beautiful thing about my father that I am gaining more and more respect for over time, especially, is that he studied our family lineage. We have a family tree that is in a program that I can go back 15, 16 generations. And I know the names and places they lived and whatever information he could piece together. And now I'm inspired to maybe piece more of that together. But in studying your family, you need to understand at least the stories of your own family, your own journey of when you've had success. When have you been at your best? When have you overcome challenges or defied the odds or bucked the status quo and accomplished something remarkable or noteworthy? And this would be for individual members of the family or the family as a collective or past generations of the family. And if you study those stories and as a family get together and talk about those stories in an organized way, meaning around a table with post-it notes and poster boards, and you capture and you share these stories, you could argue that in and of itself, that exercise is powerful to do as a family. Like just to know the history, the stories, the what was success look like in our family. That's just so powerful. We don't spend enough time doing that. You could do that over hours or a half hour over dinner, or you could do this over weeks and just really get clear And when you get clear on your stories of success or your peak moments, we'll call them, as a family or as an individual, and you study them, what you come up with is a set of values and strengths and attributes and traits of ways of being that you've already used, that are already part of your family that have led to success. So you're studying what's actually successful. You're not just pulling it from what sounds great. And you do this as a family by sharing the stories and listening for the words of those strengths, values, attributes, traits, and characteristics that led to success that were revealed through those successful stories, whether they're challenges that you learned from or overcame, or even just some of your, it could be some of the worst moments you've ever experienced, could be your best teachers too, but you study what made you succeed or pull through that. And then as a family, you boil those words down into categories and then into statements that you can then live by as a family. So some of ours are servant leaders. We generously share our life's blessings with the like-hearted families we bring together. That's one of our values. We're servant leaders. We bring families together and we share our blessings with them. That's part of the ethos of our family. And we have five others. One of them is resilient warriors. And it's that we are strong, courageous, and swift. And we follow our family motto that nothing is difficult to the brave and faithful. That family motto comes from the McCarthy crest and is from ancient fees way, way back. But it was something we drew from history because it's a story and it's real. It's something that we can say McCarthy's are resilient warriors and we're strong, we're courageous and we're swift because We know and understand that, and in the core of our family, our motto is that there's no difficult things for people that are brave and faithful. That's something that we then get to live by. But you have to talk about it. You have to post them. 
up in your house. You have to talk about them. And then you got to catch each other living them. That's the key. Because otherwise, then they just become something that you hang on a wall or you slip in a drawer and then no one ever sees them again. And that value that we're instilling, those six values we're instilling in our children by having weekly family meetings where we talk about them amongst other things is an example of something you might do for your team at what are our values? Let's have a weekly meeting. Let's talk about our goals. Let's talk about why we're grateful for each team member. Let's talk about our KPIs or our our schedules and things we got to focus on. And then let's go over our values. Let's dissect them. What's an example of Mike or Andrew living those values for in the last week? What are our peak experiences over the last week? So like that to me is a great team meeting, but also it's exactly what we do in our family meeting. So it's not only just instilling something like company values into your family or as family values because it works for the culture of a company. So why wouldn't it work to build the culture of a family? And that's ultimately what you're trying to do. And culture beats strategy every time. So it's like, what matters is you're building up the culture within the family and you've got to understand and define what it is. One of the ways you do that is values. And then another way I mentioned is having a regular family meeting to actually support each other around your goals and to have deeper conversations. Like how important is it to model that being what a meeting is all about? Because most meetings are not good meetings, but if you can show your family, what a good meeting is right out of the gate. That's valuable to not only your family, but to them as individuals as they move through the world. So yeah, that's a bit about legacy and values. I think, Andrew, does that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, this is amazing, Mike. I love just how you lay it out and just, it's an inspiration just listening to it here. So we appreciate it. I have a, I'm sure, Andrew, you have a follow-up, but I wanted to ask this because I asked you this question when we were in Austin and I just wanted to bring it into the into this conversation as well where it's like my wife she has her like Fallon legacy like from her dad's side and then mm-hmm. she has like her mom's seller from mm-hmm. the Kogan and then I have mine my Bromowitz heritage from my dad's side and then the Horowitz heritage from my mom's side and so there's really all these stories from each married into the family And then there's this other component of what I was thinking about as the alchemist, like his journey through and then like just the lessons that show up. So there's like these lessons of from books that we might want to bring in. So if you could just maybe just speak to um, the idea that the stories don't. They don't have to just be from the father's side of the family What? Yeah. because McCarthy is just, I guess, dad's name that's passed down. But there's like other aspects of where some of these stories might come from as inspiration, potentially, as you're uncovering these strengths or ways of being and bringing these categories and these statements to life. If you could just speak to that, because what you shared with me in Austin was really helpful. And I'd love to just capture that in this episode. too. All of this work is rooted in appreciative inquiry. My buddy, John Berghoff teaches a method of that called exchange. I think y'all might be familiar with that. Those methods are used in front row dads and go abundance. But I think the beauty of appreciative inquiry is that it's all inclusive. It, it, all voices are welcome. This is so well followed in the world of appreciative inquiry that like most of the practitioners of it, if you don't invite every level of employee to their biggest 
highest energy and most valuable meetings that they have, like highest stakes meetings, they won't come in and facilitate because they think that there's just as much value from the department that cleans the floors as there is the marketing or sales or any other department that is serving, including bringing the stakeholders outside forces and ideas in. So it is a very open sourced and open in its in its culture to including all voices. And so I think it's very important to make sure that, you know, the name of the family it, to me is irrelevant the same way that the name of a company is actually irrelevant. Gary Keller called it Keller Williams because his original partner was Joe Williams, who was actually bought out of the company very early on and he never changed the name and many marketing and branding agencies and everything call it this, it should be this, it should be that. And what he arrived on is it doesn't matter what sells your product isn't the name of your company. What defines your family isn't the name of the family at all. It's the values that that family co-creates honoring both sides, the heritage of both. And it goes deep, but it's also... equally as important to understand your own journeys as individuals and then each family's whatever stories you can know about those. And even if you can't, maybe there's a story in that. If somebody doesn't know their family because of there's lots of reasons why you might not, you could be adopted or you could, you might not, and maybe you don't relate to your foster parents or your adopted parents. There's all these different reasons There's a lesson in that story, too, that is we are people that welcome our homes to others or give others who don't have that feeling of family. We help them to experience that. Right. So there's always a way to draw in from those various experiences. But it is a very balanced feminine and masculine process to do it this way because you are studying the stories equally on both sides. Now, it might be that there's more compelling stories on one side or the other, and that could be good or bad. Maybe there's on one side, there's a lot of warning signs of what what our values should lead us not to do and not be like. And on maybe on another side, there's other examples. Maybe it's equal. And that can get very tricky, right? Because now we're getting into traumas and upbringings and things that affect all of that. But all of it is teaching you something, right? So there's a lesson and a value to be drawn from the worst of experiences, same as the best of them. Sure, sure. And what a beautiful answer and just an opportunity for us to see who can we can invite to the table. And I want to stay on that trickiness for a, a brief moment here too, because I got to imagine there's someone listening right now who goes, man, this is inspiring. It sounds awesome, Mike. And also, you don't know my family. There's no way we're going to be able to get around the table and I'm going to get however many people together to sit down for even 30 minutes to talk about our family legacy. This is dead on arrival, man. There's no way I'm going to be able to turn this around. My fate is sealed and there's no way we're going to ever have a family crest and family mottos and family values. You just don't know my family. Like, How would you respond to someone like that? He's like, hey, this sounds great in theory. Practically, I don't see this happening. What would you say? I probably would ask a lot of questions first. If I had them one-on-one, like obviously that's not the case. So I just think that should be stated because... That says that question says a lot about that person's family. Not good or bad, 
So they have to understand the choice around that is, so what habits have, if getting around the table and having a meaningful conversation isn't something your family is currently doing or capable of doing, and you don't believe they're capable of doing that, what does that mean to you? I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to define that as good or bad, but what would that lead you to believe about your family and its ability to work together and function as a team? And I would say it's that idea of like, when was the best time to plant a tree 30 years ago? When's the next best time? Like today. So when are you going to rip that bandaid off? Is it going to be in counseling when they're 25 and they're lost as human beings and they're not understanding why they can't sit down at their at a table and have a deep meaningful conversation with others because where else are they going to learn that they're going to learn it in their home first how to have meaningful conversations guided by generative important questions about stuff that really matters if a family doesn't have those conversations it's not good or bad but what kind of family would that family be? Is it a more connected family or a less connected family? Is it a family that can solve greater problems together or can't? Can they handle challenges better or worse if they're capable or incapable of that? And nobody can do this shit naturally. So if you think like, I tried it the first time with my family and it went smoothly, I've got news for you. It was a shit show. (laughs) The first 10, 15, 30 times we did these types of meetings, And this was with a four and an eight-year-old. So if you're wondering on ages, I would even say the sooner you can plop them down in the middle of the conversation, even if their answer is gaga or some other bullshit answer that's sarcastic because they're three or four or eight, you still ask them the question and expose them to, hey, What's a peak experience that you've had lately? What's something fun that you did lately? You may have to have them draw the answer. You may have to take the question and make it accessible to them. But are you building this muscle as a family of like just sitting down and talking about shit that matters? Yes or no. And if you aren't good at it, is the answer to not do it? So if your health was shitty, Would you say, yeah, that's easy to say for you because you work out all the time. And so obviously it's easy for you to go to the gym. But me, I'm I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. So I'm not going to go to the gym because that shit would be hard as shit. So I'm not going to go to the gym. So what decision is that person making? They're all decisions around what are your values. So how do you make it easy, though? How do we make it practical to still go try it? Because I'm not saying it's not hard. But how do we make it a little bit easier for you? Number one is you got to go incrementally. You're not going to get all of this done all at once and have a perfect system for your family. You've got to introduce things slowly to your family. You've got to get their buy-in. And in a lot of ways, it starts with a a partner, a husband, a wife, a spouse, the adults in the household, right? The guards of the prison, they whatever you want to call them. They, it has to start there with them saying, hey, you know what? Maybe it would be better for us if we set a few goals together, got together occasionally and had some good conversations. It'll help the kids to 
to know more about what's going on in their lives and we can share more about what's going on in our lives and teach them a little bit more. It gives an opportunity to all come together as a family, whether that's over a dinner once a week or a set meeting, or it's in a car ride on the way to church and on the way home from church or wherever you can squeeze that in, it's how can you start bringing some meaningful questions to your family? And I think one of the easiest access points is actually not values, by the way, starting there. I would start with goals because you can make them important to the people on an individual, family members on an individual level. So you start with, hey, Let's just all talk about some things that we want, like individually. So what's a goal you have? What's something that you want to do or want that's fun for you? And then what's something that you want to accomplish or do that might be challenging for you that looking back, you'll be like, I did that. I accomplished that. So in our family, we always have a a fun goal we're working on and a hard goal we're working on. So who doesn't want help on something in their life? You got to dumb it down a little bit, not in a disrespectful way, but in a way that's accessible to say, hey, I want to go to your wife or your partner and say, hey, I'd love to know what's something fun that you'd really like to be doing that I can support you in that, that, that would give you more joy in your life. Who's going to be like, no, I don't really want you to do that. Maybe there are some people or whatever that they may need some other conversations that I'm not maybe qualified to help them with, but start with the goals. And then it leads into, hey, what do we as a family want to set as some goals together? What's a trip we want to go on? Or And here's the thing. If the family doesn't want to participate, I often tell people to use a bit of a takeaway close and say, oh, you don't want to talk about the family goals? That's fine. We'll just decide them all without you, right? You got to have a partner on board with you for that. So I think that's the accessible way is to make it about their goals first, then collective family goals that they get to participate in. If you get to that, then you can start to move to having maybe a values size that you do from the book or going into some of the other exercises that are in that book that are all about just effectively leading the family. But those are the most accessible ways. And it's not easy, but you got to do it anyways, just like you go to the gym to get back in shape if your health was at risk. What if I told you that by not having these conversations, your family was at risk in some way? Would you then go and get that, get going on that? So... That would be my way of using a little bit of fear to encourage you all to do this. Anyways, thanks for asking that, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I love the, by the way, Andrew, I love the question. And Mike, I love the response with even more questions because I wasn't, I was actually not sure which direction you were going to go, but I love that you took that approach where it's, let's find out. Let's actually ask you a few more questions as to why you have this paradigm in the first place. And I want to make sure that I capture this because this companion guide could also be a really great resource for anyone who might ask that question as well. Because in, and by the way, your wife, I just want to give a shout out to Lindsay. It's spelled the right way because that's how my wife's name is spelt too, with an A. She's the brains <laughs> behind the operation. So you guys are both Mike and Lindsay. That's Mike cool. and Lindsay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, there you go. That's a good connection there. That's nice. Y- y'all did a great job. And I know you give her a lot of the credit for the book. And rightfully, she might have done a lot of it. But just here in this conversation with you, I'm sure you added a lot of value to this conversation, to this book too. But I really love like the bedroom bedtime rituals, the morning rituals. 
the using the reward system and the star system, the unique values, the screen time contracts, the family goals, the family meeting. This is literally a curriculum. It's a hundred page curriculum that you've put together in this playbook along with the, the actual book itself. So you got these these two these two books that kind of pair together. I just think that could be a really great reference for anybody who's listening or if you're watching on YouTube is to pick this up. Can you just speak to the project with doing this with your wife before we will we'll ask you our three questions and help our audience know where to continue to find you. But if you could just speak to you created a, literally a curriculum, a playbook that anybody can go access for 20 bucks to create a whole new paradigm and legacy for the lineage of who follows them. I would love to hear just the partnership of you collaborating with your wife and putting this thing together so people like us can be the recipients of this. You made this a mission, yeah. which is beautiful. That playbook is something that obviously one of the exercises is Miracle Morning related, but the others in there, quite honestly, are not. And we were going to write this book either way, but we had already written the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families that teaches the Miracle Morning and how to do it with your kids. And we sold a lot more books than we thought we would. Hal's platform and his ability to market and his machine that he's created is remarkable. And so when we wanted to write this playbook, we went to Hal and said, hey, can we just make this a companion guide or go along with the book that we wrote together? Because I just knew that it's, you can sell four or five of these a month if you do it on your own and self-publish, unless you really get lucky or you hit a, hit a strike a nerve. Or we can get these to hundreds of families a month working with Hal. And so we struck up another partnership with Hal. And what we did is we used the experience of having led hundreds of families in live events through these exercises. And then we were able to then take those, which I went through exchange and when it was one of their first certified facilitators before it was even called exchange and did a lot of appreciative inquiry work. So I used all of that work in these events to, to have families become better families. It turns out that it works just as good for a team or an organization as it does for a family. And we decided to document it all. And, and then and my wife took all the things we had led these families through for many years because when I was CEO of GoBundance, we rolled out a whole family division called FamBundance. And so we, we put on events that were, and we still do to this day, events where the family gets to come and be a part of what we do at GoBundance. And that really honors the family pillar and, and the authentic relationship aspect of GoBundance. So that's where that that came from. And yeah, it was fun working on it with my wife. We're great partners. We think very differently. I think there's always like a middle point where there's some friction and we're able to work through that. We work with Dr. Kelly. He's great at uh, supporting oh, us yeah. in our we, relationship. We had him on the show. I was blown away on his episode and the guy's framework is all, he's come up several times. <laughs> so listener, if you haven't listened to Dr. Kelly Flanagan's episode on the Better and Rich Show, you should definitely check it out. <laughs> and awesome. I really like what you said on that. And I'll kick it to you, Andrew. This idea that you're, you were experiencing it and documenting the entire process and trial and error. And that it's like a whole process to get to the finished product of the book. And I know we taught, we teach this, but Andrew and I, with our operator to owner program for business owners, it's like everything your time you're doing something, document the process of you doing it. So that way you could build it to scale. 
And it's essentially what you did. You're like teaching and talking and capturing it and documenting it and fixing it and getting it, making it better, upgrading it. And eventually you could get it down to a condensed hundred page version of everything that you've done over the course of the last several years because you've rehearsed it and refined it and simplified it so much. So I just want to acknowledge you and appreciate you for that because I'm going to be on the recipient end of all those errors and all those countless hours and all those painful friction points with you and Lindsay. And then I get to benefit from it as a stranger. And I just want to say thank you. And all of our listeners appreciate that as well. Thanks, Mike. And thank you to Lindsay for this. So Andrew, let me kick it to you before we, I could could go on for hours. So this is. I I think I could too, especially with you, Mike, this has been so much fun. Thanks for just showing up authentic, real, and just adding so much value to the audience. We always ask our guests three questions before we depart for the show. The first question is, what do you think the world needs most right now? A better story about what it means to be human and why we're here and what the soul's journey is really all about. Such a good answer. I wish I could ask the follow-up, but I, yeah, I know. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the next one. What one to three books do you recommend everyone check out besides your own? Yeah, definitely Lovable by Dr. Kelly Flanagan, who we just mentioned. I think there's no greater like metaphor or story about being a human than what he writes about in there with the way he talks about it addresses the the answer to my pre to the previous question in a lot of ways there's a lot of understanding around ways of understanding what it means to be human in that book that I really resonate with and just any of his other books too are just awesome so I won't pick I won't use up all of my three on Dr. Kelly but I could honestly his books are just exceptional I would also recommend Think and Grow Rich and that's just a total classic I think it's about the psychology of money and I would pair it in the same category so this isn't my third book but David Osborne's Wealth Can't Wait because because it's Think and Grow Rich's sequel on like, how do you actually get rich and what are the strategies the rich use? So I think those two books together are like, you could learn so much right there about that. And I don't, I think you need to make money because of what you can do for the world, not what you can do for yourself. Just to clarify, I'm not a money driven materialistic kind of guy, but I think those are important for a lot of reasons. And then lastly, I would say in line of legacy, there's a book called Entrusted that's by David York and Andrew, I think it's Hal, who is just on a thing for Front Row Dads. But that book, Entrusted, is where I stole the flint and kindling versus passing the fire and the intangible versus tangible assets being what you pass in wealth. There's so many great nuggets about how to, even if you're not a family that cares about or is going to have wealth as part of your legacy, just what you can learn about creating that intangible side of it in that book, I think is just really important. So those would be the books I'd throw out there. I have a funny David Osborne. I was playing volleyball with the front row dads and everyone in Austin and uh, we we're bumping to each other. I'm like, Hey, I'm Mike. He's like, I'm David. I'm like, Oh, David this is David Osborne. I'm like, Oh, I've never heard of the name. And then I like go to Google when I get home. I'm like, holy shit, I probably should have asked him way better questions. I was asking him like stupid ass, like surface level. Oh, do you come here often? How do you know these guys? Oh my gosh, just a shameful not knowing David Osborne experience. Third question, Mike, and then we'll we'll head for the exits. What does it mean to you to be better than rich? I think it's when 
you know, you understand that it's the love that you can give and the service that you offer to others that really matters most in life. I think our time here is precious and I, the money aspect of it is a means to an end on some, in some way, but beyond anything financial, so many of us have our basic needs taken care of and we do want more, which I understand, but I think we have to understand that we're so connected to every other human on this planet and to this planet in general. And I think really understanding that your duty in making money is to go and help to serve humanity with those resources. And I think that, I think God bestows in some way the responsibility and the stewardship of the energy of money to people who will use it in that way. It's not just a great feeling thought and a good thing to say. It's This might be practical business for people to understand that at the core, probably service and generosity is what's going to drive you having great customers and a great business. And I think if you err on that side, it's never steered me wrong to be overly generous and to just be the one who's, you know what, I'm going to think from an abundant place right now versus a scarcity mindset. And then it just seems like the ROI on that is infinite. Mike, this conversation is really remarkable. I know we talked about GoBundance. If people wanted to learn more about GoBundance, we talked about the companion guide and the and you know, obviously the family's playbook. Where can people learn more about you, GoBundance, the books, the resources, if they wanted to be able to like just keep the conversation going beyond this, unless we have you back on the show and we'll have a part two. But until then, what uh, where could people stay in touch with you if they wanted to? GoBundance related, it's easy. GoBundance.com, G-O-B-U-N-D-A-N-C-E.com. There is free resources and a lot of our tools and resources we use in GoBundance available, as well as a free copy of the book, Tribe of Millionaires, available at tribeofmillionaires.com. If you want just a couple of free sizes from the playbook that we talked about, you can go to miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook, which stands for parent family playbook. So miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook. And there's two free exercises to download there. And then you can pick up a copy of that book or the act, the playbook or the actual book, Miracle Morning for Parents and Families at any on, at, on Amazon where everyone buys their books these days. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to get in touch with me for other future podcasts or speaking stuff or whatever, Mike McCarthy at me, me.com is the best way to reach me. We'll put all that in the show notes. And uh, Mike, thank you so much again for coming on the show. You've helped a ton of people with this conversation. Andrew, of course, thanks for asking great questions as always. And a uh, listener, thank you for your time and being here and assuming this help episode has helped you. It's your turn. Help others, share it with a friend, subscribe on YouTube, leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. And as always, remember, leave today better than you found it. Until next time, we'll see you then. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it.